0: Welcome
1: to the pastor's study. Let me tell you the story of Solomon. This all happens about 980 BC. It comes from the book of Kings. Here's the story of Solomon. Remember, his father was the famous King David. King David sadly sinned, committed adultery with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. So to cover it up, David kills her husband. And then Nathan the prophet says, David, because of what you've done, your baby is now going to die the baby died. Bathsheba and David are grieved. Uh, He comforts his wife. They have intercourse. She is pregnant again. The little baby's name is Solomon and then Nathan comes and says to, to David, God loves this child. Solomon grows up. David dies. Solomon about 980 BC becomes king and God says to Solomon, what would you like? And Solomon says, give me wisdom. And God says, because you didn't ask for wealth, but for wisdom, I'm going to give you both. And Solomon becomes very wise, very wealthy. In fact, this is called Israel's golden age. When Solomon was king, he was the most powerful king on earth. This would never happen again in the history of Israel. He he was the wealthiest, most powerful king probably on the planet, Israel's golden age. Well, he becomes politically powerful partly because he marries lots of foreign wives to make political alliances. In fact, he marries Pharaoh's daughter. That would become his downfall. He would end up with 700 wives and 300 concubines, but the problem was he'd let these foreign wives bring in their foreign gods. He'd even build high places for them for the uh, wives to worship their false gods. Well, finally, an old man, Solomon, dies. But first, before he died, God raised up political enemies, and Solomon starts to get invaded. But when he dies, here's what the Bible says. When Solomon was an old man, his wives turned his heart away from two other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the father of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. And Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and that's how he died. He had a good beginning and a bad ending. What I want to do for this program is to share with you now seven things that I just learned from the life of Solomon. Before we begin, let's just pray. Father, we want to pray for each of us here where we are going after false gods. Lord, we would pray that you would help us turn away from those things that destroy and to go hard after the one true God. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seven lessons from the life of Solomon. Number one. Lesson number one. After repentance comes grace. After David and Bathsheba sinned and their baby was was killed, they repented and God said, I love your new baby, Solomon. You know, maybe you committed adultery and you ditched your spouse and you married your lover. Can God forgive that? If you will do what David did and say, God, I'm so sorry, I repent, please forgive me. If you turn to God asking his forgiveness, and maybe you need to apologize to your prior spouse, but if there's true repentance, God can forgive you. That's the first thing I learned from the story of Solomon. Second thing I learned from Solomon's life, wisdom is better than wealth. God says, ask for something, Solomon. He doesn't ask for money. He says, give me wisdom. Wisdom is more important than money. In fact, later Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs. Here's what he wrote in Proverbs 3. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for it is profitable more than silver, and its gain is better than fine gold. In other words, the most important thing in your life is to get wisdom, not to get money which is why I'm grieved by something smelly called the prosperity gospel. A lot of preachers on TV, some of your churches preach the prosperity gospel, that the reason Jesus came to earth was to save you from poverty and make you financially prosperous. That's baloney. The reason Jesus came to earth was to save you from hell. And when I see some of these prosperity preachers on TV, it just grieves me. I, I won't name him, but there's one and he's always happy. And the reason Jesus came is to save you from 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 uh, poverty. And he wants you healthy and wealthy. And put that smile on your face and be positive. You're gonna get that better. It's all about money, 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 money. That's not why Jesus came to earth. Wisdom is much more important than money and we've got a very wealthy version of Christianity in America to fit our culture and it's not from the Lord. I had a uh, old uh, preaching professor told me this story. He was asked to come give the final speech at a week full of banquets for this Christian uh, sports ministry and so for like four nights different preachers on four nights and he was the fifth preacher on the fifth night and he went to all the meetings and and the preachers got up and said god is for champions god is for winners god is here to make you the best football team you can be and it's all about winning and keep your and and my professor said i was the last night and he said i got up and i preached my message tonight is jesus is for losers and he talked about the losers of the New Testament and how Jesus came to save them. He said, afterwards, a woman came up to me with tears in her eyes saying, thank you for what you preached tonight because I have a quadriplegic son at home and I was ready to kill myself after some of these, these messages. Thank you for saying that Jesus is for losers. My point is this, wisdom is much more important than wealth. Beware of what's called the prosperity gospel. Jesus did not come to earth so you could have more money. He came to save your soul from hell. Next lesson from Solomon. Do something great for God. You know what what Solomon was remembered for? He built this beautiful temple. It took him seven years to create the beautiful temple in Jerusalem. It lasted for 400 years. So one lesson I get from Solomon is, do something beautiful for God. I heard of a preacher that that preached a sermon called, what did you do with your dash? And he said, when you die, you'll have a gravestone, your name and underneath the day of your birth, dash, the day of your death. And he said, when you die, what will you have done with your dash? And, And let me ask you that question what will you be remembered for? You know who Warren Buffett is, one of the wealthiest men on the planet. He lives in Omaha. My mom and dad knew him. My mom and dad went to his wedding many, many years ago. And then I read Warren Buffett, who's an agnostic, is using his millions to send abortion machines around the world so there can be lots of abortion in third world countries. I wrote him a letter. Dear Mr. Buffett, you don't know me, but maybe you remember Tom and Ruth Brock. He was uh, one of your teachers at University of Omaha. And I just want to urge you not to use your money to do abortions. Do you want to stand before God on Judgment Day and, and say that your accomplishment was abortions? Well, I never heard back from him, but, but my question for you is, what will people remember you for? Will they, when you die, will they say, oh, she was a great Christian mom, or he was a Christian businessman He used his money to spread the gospel, or she was always talking to people about the Lord, or, or just, just what did you do with your dash? It's 200 years ago. There were two brothers in Scotland, David and Jonathan, one had a heart from the Lord and the other one maybe not so much. When both of them died, they both made the Encyclopedia Britannica. The one under David, famous missionary David Livingston, Dr. Livingston, I presume, long passage about all of the works he did and the the Christian ministry he did. Well, his, his brother, John, also made it in. And what did it say? John Livingston, lawyer, brother of famous missionary. How will people remember you? Next lesson from the life of Solomon. Believers marry believers. You know what got Solomon in trouble? All of his unbelieving wives. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 7, in 2 Corinthians 6, if you're a Christian, you marry a Christian. I mean, here's a young woman that I know, and... Uh, pastor brock i'm engaged oh that wonderful uh, turns out he's not a believer i said you know if you're going to be a christian the bible says you marry a christian oh but i love him no that doesn't i'm sorry you love god more and i can tell you a, a person after person who's told me stories of their miserable marriage because they married somebody who wasn't a believer what i learned from solomon is if you're a christian you marry a christian or you get into trouble the main lesson from Solomon don't mix religions you know it wasn't that Solomon stopped worshiping the true God he always worshiped Jehovah God but then he kept adding all these other gods to the pantheon that was his problem and you know this is called syncretism when you take all these different religions and mix them together I have a relative and she's into syncretism and and she you know she goes to her Christian church, but then she does yoga and she gets into new age books. And that's called, God hates that. He says, I'm a jealous God. You don't worship other gods. When I was an ELCA Lutheran pastor, I went to one of our Lutheran conventions. And at one point they had everybody pray to the North and the South and the East and the West. What were they doing? They were patterning their prayers after Native, a Native American spirituality, where you pray to the four winds. And, and I, I, I told that story, and I had a, a Native American woman come up to me afterwards with tears in her eyes, and she says, Pastor Brock, they're trying to get us back to what I was saved from. <laughs> in other words, there's one God, one true God. You don't worship other gods and Him. You worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, period. There was a Native, uh, there was a very liberal Methodist pastor that used to have a call-in radio show here in the Twin Cities. And I would listen to it on Sunday mornings uh, just to get me riled up to go preach the truth. And he, one Sunday morning, well, you know, Christians, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, we all worship the same God. I had to pick up the phone and I called him on the air. I was polite, but I said, Now, wait a minute. If if Christians and Jews and Muslims all worship the same God, explain this, please. For a Christian, Jesus is God. And if you don't believe that, you're a heretic. For a Muslim, Jesus is not God. And if you don't believe that, you're a heretic. Can you explain to me how that's the same thing? How we can all be worshiping the same God? (laughs) It doesn't work. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. The worst mixing of religion I've ever heard of. There's a Lutheran church in San Francisco called Her Church. Go to HerChurch.org. I'm not making this up. The woman pastor gave each of her women a little ball of clay so they each could make their own Asherah statue so they could worship the forbidden divine feminine. And she's got she's got goddess worship in her church, and it's an ELCA Lutheran church in full standing with the denomination. Wacko! What I learned from Solomon is, okay, you can add other gods to your pantheon, but God will not be pleased. You know, one, one more thing on this, we don't worship a generic god either. A dear woman once called me up, Pastor Brock, would you come say the prayer at our pro-life banquet? And I said, sure. Oh, well, by the way, sometimes there's Jewish people there, so when you say your prayer, please just don't say in Jesus' name. And I said, You got the wrong guy. And I said, if I can't pray in Jesus' name, you really want somebody else. Well, she called me back. Okay, you can come. But, you know, we don't worship a generic God. We don't worship many gods. We worship the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, period. Next lesson from Solomon. God can raise up adversaries. When Solomon went after false gods, God raised up armies to come in and to punish him. And I think God does that today. When America turns from God, you get things like 9-11. You get things like financial collapse. You get things like hurricanes and tornadoes. When you turn away from God, you'll feel it. I mean, this is true personally, too. I'll tell you, many years ago, I had a mean boss. But when I would sin against God without the boss knowing anything, he would get extremely mean. (laughs) So when you sin and turn away to other things, God can bring in discipline. One last lesson that I learned from Solomon. Finish well. Solomon's problem was he started out good. He did not finish well. Now, the apostle Paul finished well. Uh, Paul's last letter is 2 Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I fought the good faith fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So Paul finished well. You'll see Paul in heaven. Will we see Solomon in heaven? I don't know. He did not finish well. And and let me say this, I'm a Lutheran. The Lutheran church is not finishing well. The Lutheran Church used to be a wonderful Bible preaching church and the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church and the Wisconsin Synod and the Free Lutheran Churches those are all good biblical churches but the large ELCA the largest branch of Lutheranism is not finishing well they pay for abortions in the ELCA Lutheran Church ooh they with offering dollars yet i mean now they have ordained practicing homosexual pastors the the, the Lutheran Church ELCA is not finishing well sadly i'm going to say this america isn't finishing well we we've got so much abortion and pornography and garbage in the media premarital sex I mean, what is god going to do with america what i learned from solomon is you can have a good start like america did but if you don't finish well you're in trouble and don't confuse the fact that you have a lot of money with success solomon was not a success solomon was the richest man on earth but he was a failure because he did not finish well. So let me just close by saying this. How are you finishing? Maybe you had a good start. Maybe you had Christian parents. Maybe you were raised Christian, but you've turned your back on the Lord. You need to finish well. You need to die with your faith in Christ if you're gonna have a happy eternity, amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you said that uh, God forgave David and Bathsheba, and gave them the child Solomon. So can a person sin and still be blessed afterward?
1: I mean, here's the thing, Jackie. Well, Pastor Brock, I'll just go ahead and divorce my wife and marry my lover, because I know I can ask for forgiveness afterwards. And my response to that is, you get what you get. Can God forgive us after we've sinned? If we truly repent and, and, and ask Christ for forgiveness, there's forgiveness. But you've got to live with the consequences of your sin. I mean, Jackie, if you go rob a bank and you truly repent, will God forgive you? Yes, but you've got to go to jail for six years. Can you uh, uh, divorce somebody and marry somebody else and can God forgive that? Yes. but you may have horrible thorns in your marriage because of what you've done. So the reason we don't sin is because it hurts us.
2: So is it okay to remarry after you've been divorced? Uh,
1: the way I read the Bible, pastors are different on this. You gotta, every, in fact, I was just counseling somebody recently about this and I, I told, he's thinking of, of marrying a divorced person. I said, read Matthew 19, read 1 Corinthians 7. The way I understand those passages, if you get divorced, you should just stay single and live for the Lord. Now, if your spouse dies, then you're free. But as long as your spouse is is alive, I would stay single for the Lord. Because Jesus said, Jesus said, if you marry somebody who's divorced, you are committing adultery. Now, I didn't make that up. Jesus said that. So you gotta struggle with those verses.
2: Okay, you were talking about people mixing various religions and that. Can you discuss some of the ways that people are doing that today?
1: Yeah. When you've got goddess worship in the Lutheran Church, what on earth is going on? And I've got to say it again, herchurch.org, check it yourself. This is an ELCA Lutheran Church where they worship the goddess Sophia. What? And somebody complained to the Lutheran Bishop out there saying, why don't you clamp down on the church? His response was, well, yes, they pushed the envelope, but when people drop in, they hear good Lutheran preaching. Can you imagine Martin Luther telling people to worship the goddess Sophia so they could be feminists? I don't think so, Jackie. So that's one way they try to get the feminist goddess worship in some of our denominations. Um, Other ways, you know, I saw, I I passed a church a while ago, big sign in the front, yoga. What's a yoga class doing in a Christian church? Yoga is Hinduism. And, well, yeah, but we don't incorporate the the religious part of it. How do you know? It's all based on becoming one with the ultimate uh, through yoga. You don't become one with God through yoga. You become one with God through Jesus Christ, period.
2: Okay, you said a Christian should marry a Christian. I guess my question for you is, isn't it possible that a Christian could be used to convert mm-hmm. their
1: spouse? It's possible, but it, but uh, missionary dating normally doesn't work. I. I I'll just tell you, you hear this again and again, well, my my fiance says he's gonna start coming to church once we're married, and then he never does. And all I know, Jackie, it says if you're in the Bible, if you're a Christian, you marry a Christian and no matter how much you love that person or you think you're gonna turn him or her around, if they're still an unbeliever, you do not marry them. Yeah.
2: You kind of hit on the prosperity um, gospel in that, I guess, if you trust in God, you will prosper financially, and be healed, is what they're saying, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Is there any truth in the prosperity a- actually, gospel? Actually,
1: th- when I there is some truth in the prosperity gospel. Jackie, let's say that you've got a drinking problem. You come to Christ. You get you go to AA. Your your life starts to clean up. You can hold a job and you start prospering financially. That's the Lord that's helping you do that. But there's the the evil of, so there is some truth to the prosperity gospel and God is a healing God. He is a merciful God, but you know, think of all the Christians on our planet that are dirt poor. Is something wrong with their faith? I don't think so. Again, I don't think Jesus died with any money. I don't think the apostle Paul probably died with hardly any money. And and so there's, it's an extreme teaching.
2: So is that where the prosperity gospel is wrong then?
1: The go- prosperity gospel is wrong in that it says, if you believe God hard enough, you're going to get money. If you believe God hard enough, you're always going to be healed. And uh, uh, and again, I believe in healing, Jackie. Uh, uh, James 5, get healing with the anointing of oil from the elders of your church. Read James 5. We believe in healing. Jesus healed a lot. But sometimes God takes people home. You know, uh, Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments, says Paul. He doesn't say name it and claim it. He doesn't say where's your faith. He says take your medicine. So, and it says in the Old Testament now, when Elisha became ill of the illness of which he was to die, Elijah raised people from the dead. We don't think something was wrong with his faith, but God took him home through an illness. So the, the problem with the prosperity gospel, it, it feeds right into American materialism <laughs> and it's off, it's imbalanced.
2: Okay, when you were talking about the Herd Church and things like that and the ELCA and their response to people complaining, um, where did the leadership go that was the old Lutheran Church?
1: The old Lutheran Church that your your grandma and my grandma would never believe that the ELCA has become what it is. I mean, they would say, you're kidding. And what happened bit by bit, they stopped believing parts of the Bible and because they thought they were enlightened. And so now uh, Romans one, I guess, doesn't apply anymore to homosexuality. And the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Well, it's still a woman's choice. It's a, you know, bit by bit, they left the authority of scripture and you've got what you've got when you leave the Bible.
2: Okay, can you talk a little bit about um, Islam? Is militant Islam God's punishment on America? It seems. You know,
1: my opinion is, yep, (laughs) and I'll tell you why. When the Jews in the Old Testament would go after false gods, He'd raise up the Assyrians, and they'd they'd attack. And then they'd repent, and then they'd go after false gods, and raise up the Babylonians, and they'd attack. I think because America is largely turning its back on God, uh, God is raising up enemies now for America. That's my opinion.
2: And are the enemies going to be the death of America, do you think? I
1: don't know. I don't know. But how long can you spit in God's face and get away with it? I think God has been extremely patient. Jackie, I'm surprised we haven't had more 9-11s, given our direction.
2: Okay. you talked about Solomon was led astray by his many wives. What are some things that lead Christians astray Mm -hmm.
1: today? Okay. I think the main thing that leads Christians astray today and the whole culture is the media. All these TV talk shows, Jackie, where they've got lesbian couples and then they've got uh, uh, homosexual couples on the sitcoms, and then you've got uh, just, you know, I don't have cable TV, just regular TV in my house. It's becoming pornographic. Regular TV is, and cable TV can be from hell. So. What I think is leading people astray in America largely is the media. And I know one pastor who said he calls it eternity denying entertainment, meaning we watch all these shows about, you know, Britney Spears and, you know, all these people, and you would never dream there's an eternal heaven and an eternal hell because the devil keeps us busy thinking about stupid stuff that doesn't matter at all.
2: But if that's the way that the TV programs are being programmed what do you do to get your family away from Mm -hmm.
1: that? Mm -hmm. Well I think I think you set a time we're gonna watch three hours of TV in the next three days or however you want to put it but just say we're gonna we're gonna circle what we're gonna watch and we're gonna turn the thing off and I I gotta admit Jackie I need to do that myself more (laughs) I have a problem watching too much television but I think we need to discipline ourselves And then I think we also need, especially, if you've got kids that have an iPhone and they can get anything, I mean, my friend told me about catching his seven-year-old daughter watching hardcore pornography. Then he looked at the history, she had done it for like six hours in a row. You've got to somehow put filters on your stuff and your kids' stuff so you don't get into that stuff.
2: Okay, Pastor Brock, we're down to the last minute of our show, and I think... We should probably give a little bit of update about what's happening sure. with the pastor's study yeah. and your ministry.
1: Yep. Great. Well, hi, everybody. <laughs> Where are we? Um, you know, if you would pray for our ministry, we've got the funds to keep doing this national ministry uh, locally in Minneapolis and then nationally now on Direct TV and Dish Network. We got the money to do it uh, for just a few more months. But pray if the Lord would lead you to support our ministry, go to pastorstudy.org or look at the... Uh, I address at the end of the end of the program but we'd love to stay on but we need your prayers we need your your uh, help and support so pray for us that the Lord would do his will.
2: And please check out our website because you can give these programs to somebody that maybe doesn't have an access to get to them for yep. free. And we pray that God would be with you this week granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time.
0: Thank you for watching the pastor study.